Welcome to the podcast of Grace and Peace Church. We're glad you're journeying with us, and we hope that you find value from the teachings. If you'd like to connect or support the mission of Grace and Peace Church, check us out at graceandpeacechurch.org or find us on Instagram or Facebook. Grace and Peace. That peace. So, um, this week, I know many of you have heavy hearts for what's going on in Ukraine, Russia, um, and uh, one of the things I want to do is kind of address how to begin to engage in that. Um, one of the things being prayer, and if you follow us on social media, like we want to continue to be doing that, and I'm sure you've seen a lot of people talking about that. Um, but one of the very direct ways to, uh, I think, connect, at least through the Nazarene Church, there's obviously multiple ways, and we're not going to, uh, we don't put any other ministries down, but we just want to give you guys options that through the Nazarene Church, we have pastors that are on the ground and uh, ministries that are there on the ground. And one of them is um, a, a few different facilities that help children holistically through education, clothing, um, and uh, food, and also counseling. Um, and so one of the things that uh, Nazarene Compassion does is, um, is bring that support to those kids. And so if you're looking for a way to begin to help um, that's a great way to do that. I just want to make that available and make that um, as something that's an option um, if you're looking to, I guess, be kind of hands and feet to what's happening. All right. Well, uh, we are in our series where we're going through uh, the book of Mark. And so if you would like to uh, open your Bibles, if you have a digital one, if you want to go the real deal, um, we are we're cruising through. We're we're kind of making some speed here, um, but now that we're hitting into Lent, it's going to kind of put a little dent on our Mark study, So, because uh, we're going to take a little detour for a little while, like just talking about what Lent is as we dig into that, um, as it starts next week. So um, so this week, I'm actually going to preface Lent a little bit more and talk a little bit more of what it's about. And um, the the guide that we're going to use that you're, we're inviting you to use. If you want to use some of the books back there, you're welcome to do that. But we have um, digital guides that are now printed in the back, thanks to Paul. And, um, and also on our website, if you want to click through, you can, if you want a digital version that you could just have with you wherever you go, um, in case you're um, not carrying the booklet with you or whatever, you forget where it's at. Um, it's on our website. All the links are there. And every week there is a guide and some, some really tangible ways to step into Lent. And these are kind of the ways. So Lectio Divina, it'll have a passage that you'll read. And then um, there's an audio link in there. So there'll be a QR code that you can just scan and you can listen to. And there's songs that are selected for Lent for this season, uh, for meditation, for reflection. Um, essentially what we do when we come together and sing together is this time of meditation, of a time of introspection where we begin to listen like what is God doing and like reminding ourselves of these like beautiful truths that we have and so that's part of it there's an audio and then there's a visual there's going to be some images that are in that digital guide or if you take the printed one that's back there on the table those are in there as well um, and then there's this divine walking so Camino Divino which is um, practices that begin to like you can just physically live out during the week um, and so and then there's a time of examine where you begin to look at what is God doing in your life and how you begin to connect with that. And so Lent is a season of just really um, recognizing kind of where our source of energy comes from, where our source of joy, um, contentment, 
peace, all those different things. And that's why removing some things from our lives helps us to see that, how dependent I am on coffee or how dependent I am on, um, I don't know, just my sleep or my time or whatever it is. And it's subtracting some of those things in order to add in what God can do to speak into our lives. And so um, the best way to think of it for me is like a simple way of just like it's this time of subtraction in order for addition. Um, subtracting something, if it's five minutes in the morning for prayer, you're subtracting that time where you would normally just be sleeping and adding in five minutes of just connecting with God. It could be one minute, whatever it is. Like it, there's no like, um, I don't know, perfect amount or holy amount that makes you holier than everyone else. It's just wherever you're at, you just start and you just say, here's what I'm going to do. I was just talking with Kaya. She was like, what should I do? And I'm like, I don't know. What do you think you should do? You know? And she's like, well, maybe I'll just read my Bible for five minutes a day. I was like, awesome. You know? And so, um, yeah, for her, it's just kind of, she's processing it. And so that's what we're doing here in this service. It's a little bit more of that processing and thinking through what it might look like and what uh, we might commit to. Um, so again, uh, all that stuff is on the website if you want to click into that. And then there's an actual physical copy in the back that I'd love for you to grab and love for you to dig through and begin to engage in. And the theme here is this idea of walking through. And as Matt mentioned, there's 40 days where Jesus um, wanders through the desert, that he's just like in that process of fasting, and then he's tempted by, um, by Satan. And if you want to go back, it's in Matthew 4 if you want to read through it. But it's this idea that Jesus... Uh, invites us as well to walk through life, not around life, not around these 40 days, not avoiding it, not above, not under, but through it and saying that like Jesus journeys through life with us. The highs and lows, the challenges that we have, everything about it, that he goes through it with us. And so that's the theme um, that we'll be kind of journeying through here as we study. And so I'm going to read our passage for today um, because it ties in really well as we start to talk about Lent. And so we're in Mark chapter 7, and I'm going to have it on the screen because there's a few verses that I leave out, some chunks, because there's a lot of scripture in chapter 7, um, and he talks a lot about the same theme. So I just pulled out a couple of the verses that help us kind of see where we're going because we are kind of limited with time. But I would encourage you to go back, and there's some stuff that I would say you should definitely read and dig in further. So um, the name of this is Just Keep Washing instead of Just Keep Swimming. We'll talk about it. Uh, we'll get there in a second. So here we go. Mark chapter 7, verse 1. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed, Parents know kids should be washing their hands, so they came in as parents to try and um, hammer them for this. And it goes on, and Mark describes what this is in case we don't fully understand why that's so significant, why they're calling them out for not washing their hands. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they came from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. And the whole thing just got out of control. Everything needed to be so clean and so pure, or else you are unclean 
and you're unclean before God. And so they had all these rules and rituals that just took it to this other level that was just ridiculous, okay? Um, That's kind of the core of what we need to do. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition? And if you want to underline or highlight or just make a mental note, tradition is a key word right there. It says, according to the tradition of the elders, instead of eating their food uh, with defiled hands. So Jesus replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written. That's pretty harsh to call them hypocrites right there. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They're giving lip service, but they don't really actually care. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. So remember that word tradition that he said there? Um, They're not following the tradition, and Jesus points out here in Isaiah. They're all about the human rules. And he says, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them but go, uh, by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he had left the crowd, he entered in the house, and his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull? He asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them, for it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of the body? And Jesus, in saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. And he went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them, for it is from within... Out of a person's heart, the evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. So he talks about really like this, the core of it. It's not about your hands. It's about your heart. Okay? And so we're going to talk a little bit about this, this concept of defiling and what that's all about. And at its root, the definition of it, if you look at the reek, it's kino'o, and the most, I guess, benign definition of it is, um, is where things become common, right? So the rules that they had and everything that they had, they didn't want it to become common. They wanted to stay holy before God, and so they're saying, you're defiling it, you're making it common instead of it being holy before God. And then it goes on and it says, but it also means to be unclean or profane. And so by them not washing their hands as they're strolling through this field and Jesus comes up to, or the, the Pharisees come up to Jesus and his crew and he, they see him not clean hands, whatever, they haven't been washing their hands and they haven't done all the ceremonial traditional stuff that they should have been doing. And they call him out and they call him out for something that they think is defiling and breaking the relationship with God and somehow dishonoring and disrespecting God. And Jesus is like, no, 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 time out. You guys have taken this way too far. Your rules, these things that you guys are doing, they're out of control, okay? And, um, and so the elders in that culture had twisted something that was originally intended for just the leadership that were going into the temple. And they made it something where like, this is the holy thing that everybody should do. And it spread into this thing where it was very much legalistic tradition that didn't have meaning, that didn't have purpose, all right? 
Don't get me wrong. It's okay to wash our hands, all right? But what they did was they took it to this whole other level that just went extreme. And I think we have a tendency to get legalistic and lose the heart of a rule. The heart of the rule was for it to be clean in the temple and to respect the temple and that space. And then they took that and they made it a rule for everybody and everybody should live by it. I want to tell a story um, about Kai because she's not in the room. I'm just kidding. I asked her for permission on this one. I've started to say, I've started to ask the girls, like, if I share a story about you guys, like, is it okay? You know, like, I want them to know that it, this is like, I'm not just saying something behind their back. And so she was like, yeah, I'm cool with that. And, um, but early on in the pandemic, I don't know if you guys remember how intense it was when we found out that COVID could be everywhere and it's all around us and it could be on our groceries, it could be everywhere. And so we were washing everything, right? And parents, we were telling our kids, wash your hands 24-7, like constantly telling them to wash their hands. They're hearing it from everywhere. Like, if you don't wash your hands, basically, like that, this is how they heard it, you were gonna die. Like, that was it. Like, you're gonna die if you don't wash your hands. There was a fear, a very real fear in Kai. And I remember talking to her about this um, this week. And... Um, and, and she was like, yeah, it was very much real in my life that, like, if I didn't, I was going to die. And it got to the point where she washed her hands so much that they would bleed, okay? Like, to the point where her knuckles were bloody, and she would cry herself to sleep at night because her hands hurt so much. She would just, like, hold them like this. And I was like, I felt so bad just hearing that, like, what we've done as a culture, what we said is, like, the most intense thing, like the rule that you have to live by that now we all know, like, isn't the reality, right? I think it's like you have a one in 10,000 chance, I looked up on the CDC website, of getting COVID from a surface. One in 10,000, right? But at some point, we got so legalistic, we got so wrapped up that like, we got to wash our hands 24-7. So she was like, if she would like touched a doorknob in our house, she would go and wash her hands in the bathroom. If she went anywhere, she would grab anything in the kitchen, she would go and wash her hands. And I, we'd try to like reason with her, like, no, it's okay, like you're safe in our home and all these different things, but nothing would get through to her. Like nothing would get through. And she would get to this point where she was just like crying. And I felt so bad as a parent where I'm like, what do we do? You know, like we've, we've created this fear that like you're going to die if you don't do this, but, and it, you do need to be safe, but don't be so lax that you don't completely care about it, you know? And, um, and basically, it got to this point where I think just the world around her made her so scared, so scared and so fearful that it just captivated her, that she had to go to this point of basically inflicting pain. And, um, and I think that when we talk about defiling and we talk about rules, hand washing, I feel like that was just a beautiful illustration of like kind of what that can turn into. And I think when our rules get to the point where it causes or inflicts pain, I think we've lost the point, right? We've gone too far. And, and I think now Kai understands. She's understood, like, okay, no, there's, like, there's times where you wash your hands when it's important, and there's times where it, it doesn't really matter. This culture lost what mattered. They lost, lost the purpose, the timing, the meaning of what was holy, what made you defiled, what made you good before God, and what made you unclean before God, and it completely got out of control. And, um, and I think the truth in there is that like, when we lose the purpose of what we're doing, 
When we use the purpose of the rule, and we can talk about Lent right now, if we give up something just for the sake of like, hey, the church does this ritual of like, we give up something for Lent, like sugar, or social media, or whatever. If it becomes a rule that we just do because the church said so, or because the church has been doing this for a really long time, it doesn't have meaning, right? Like, we could all give up Starbucks. We could all give up something. And if we just do it because someone else told us to do it, and we don't, uh, uh, so if we don't add back in from that subtraction, we lose the point of it. We lose the value of it, the thing that it actually is designed to do. It was designed to draw us closer to God. Originally, this cleanliness stuff was meant to draw us closer to God, to say that like, when we encounter God, we, we encounter him with respect, with awe, with wonder. So we don't bring our dirty hands into the temple, right? It was designed to be something to show full surrender and, and respect for God, who is powerful, who is big, who is the source of everything in our lives, right? And they had lost the point. They're at this point where they're like wagging fingers at people, like, they didn't wash their hands, and they're all angry about it, you know? And it, it's lost its... It's value, it's, it's meaning, it's power. And when we get to this point where our rules begin to cause damage, that's where it's destructive. That's where religion gets really destructive. Where religion in our world right now, where people say, I want nothing to do with that, gets destructive, right? Where it starts to have this meaning where it's like, I, I don't know why you're doing that, and I don't know why that's supposedly helpful, um, because it's lost that powerful element of love, of truth, of really the heart of God is meant to create not only peace and contentment and thriving in our own lives, but in other people's lives as well. And so if the rules that we create are creating hurt, damage towards others, it's not, that's not of God. That's not what he's about. That's not the God that we worship. And so the, um, so he, he ends it here with these, these few really powerful passages um, where he, he basically labels out a lot of really destructive things. So I'm going to read that little passage just to kind of remind us of it real quick here. So he says, he went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. It's not the hands, it's not all the ritual, it's what comes out of them, it's what's in their heart. And here's what he says, for it is within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. So this is where things brew up that are destructive, that are damaging. And so here's the list that he gives. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. So it's probably some words that we're not using. I don't use the word folly. I don't know, maybe you guys have. Um, but a lot of words that basically describe one thing. Now, one thing is that we consume we are designed to consume. So sexual immorality, that's basically what he's referring to is anything that's basically where you're doing everything for your own benefit, all right? Um, and you could care less about the other person. Um, when he goes in, he starts to talk about uh, theft, when he talks about murder, when he talks about adultery, when he talks about greed, right? All of those are centered around me consuming for me so that I am good, me, myself, and I are thriving, right? That me, myself, and I get what we want and not necessarily thinking about others and thinking about how we begin to engage in the world that we live in that is loving. And so all of it comes around this idea of this self-destructive pattern of consuming. And maybe you're familiar with this. Like, 
I'll just throw myself under the bus that I know that I like to consume. That a lot of my mind centers around, like, how do I get more comfortable, right? Like, how do I get more time for myself, right? And so much of what we do is like, how do I consume so that I'm comfortable, I'm happy, rather than how do I begin to help others around me? How do I begin to love others better? And so this shift uh, that I think Lent brings to us is recognizing how much we consume, recognizing how much we just want to take, 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 and then helps us, it helps us see that what that does, ultimately, it doesn't satisfy, right? And many of you that have experienced that, that you know, like, where you've been through that, that process of, like, when I get this, I'll be happy, right? And we've all been there. We're like, once I get this, once I achieve this, this position in my job, or once I get this amount of money, or once I get this, I'll be happy. Has that ever made you completely content and happy? Some of you are like, yeah, that's kind of helped. <laughs> but ultimately, then there's another thing, right? Because once you get that, after a year, you're like, okay, this was happy, and this was good, and now that bank account's here, and now I spend that much more, and so I need a little bit more, so I need to do something else, right? And it just, like, we're built to consume. And the hardest thing I find as a believer is to fight that. And when I do begin to push against that, I start to see that there's peace. Because then I go, really? Do I need new shoes? Do I need new, do I need fill in your blank, whatever it is. Do I need all these things? And I begin to go, oh, you know what? I really don't. Like, I, I, need, I need to spend time with God. I need to spend time being reminded that I'm loved and that he longs to use me to help other people see that they are loved, that they're cared for, right? And it changes my patience with my kids. It changes my patience with my wife, right? Like, everything. Um, I, I don't speak as one who has arrived or has figured that out. It's like it's constant battle of like pushing that back. And so that's why I think Lent is so important because it helps us push that back. It helps us subtract some stuff from our life that we think we need, finger quotes, and really go, okay, I don't need that. The, the amount of time, I'm just going to say that my thing was social media. The amount of time that I spent, spent on my phone each day, it, a lot of it's useless, a lot of it doesn't really fill my cup. It doesn't really satisfy. It doesn't bring life. It doesn't help me in the way that I love people. And so I was convicted of that. And so here, I want to get to an action step that this is the part of my sermon that I erased and just said, I think we need to just stop. I think we just need to pray. Um, as I was convicted this week of like how much time I spent looking into what's happening in Ukraine and Russia as opposed to praying, I was like, dang, I suck. And I really felt convicted by that. I was like, I spend more time scrolling, trying to figure out like, well, what's the issue? Like, who's wrong and who needs to change and what we need to do? And rather than going, you know what, God? Like, look, well, I'm just going to pray that like things change because as much as I know and as much research I do over like the last couple hundred years of what's happening in, in that part of the world, it, there's so many layers and so much nuance to it. But I know that God has power to change hearts. And I'm not going to be the one that's going to go and change Putin's life, you know? Like, but I know that God can use my life in prayer to be that, like, that force of supernatural power that we don't understand, that we can't comprehend, but we know is powerful in doing things. And so I, was, I just felt convicted. I was like, we need to stop and pray. And so I'm going to say, like, as we close, um, we're going to... Um, we're just going to have some time. I'm going to have Matt come on up, and let's just spend some time praying. 
Um, I'm not even going to give you a list of like what to pray for. I think we all know what's going on over there. And I think we all know the struggles that families have with kids, with people that are hiding out in subway systems right now, people that are on food, people that, I mean, the list goes on, right? And the, the damage that, this, that lives are, are, are experiencing right now, um, it weighs heavy. And I think we should be a church that prays, um, that just, we spend some time here. Like, that's why we come together is to, to recognize God in the midst of this. And, and if we don't pray, um, if we spend more time on social media, I don't know, goofing off talking about it and trying to figure out solutions, like we're wasting our time. And so um, just felt convicted that we need to do that. And then, um, and then we'll close with a little thought on kind of how we begin to move forward. And so let's just spend a couple minutes just in silence, listening and praying and whatever God puts on your heart, um, just there in your seat, just pray it out. Um, in your mind, like I, we trust that God hears our prayers. We don't have to verbalize all of that. Um, but let's just spend some time praying. to bring 
sisters in Ukraine and in Russia, Lord, we pray that there would be peace, that you would intercede in a supernatural way, that you would, um, yeah, that you would just break the chains of evil and destruction, Lord. We pray for you to encounter or enter into those areas where uh, we think is just unthinkable, that couldn't change, that, that we think is impossible, Lord. We pray for your spirit to move, move powerfully. We pray this in your name. Amen. So I want to I want to close with a quick story that I think captures what we're trying to do in Lent. That there's this renovation that happens in our heart as we begin to let go of some things for a season, uh, for 40 days. It's not impossible. We can do it. Um, but there's a season of us like being shaped, being disciplined. Uh, by Jesus, and I think that requires an openness and an awareness. And as I read this from C.S. Lewis this week in Mere Christianity, it's a great book that I highly recommend reading as kind of like a foundation of Christian faith. But he says, imagine yourself as a living house. Picture yourself as a home, right? And it says, God comes in to rebuild your home. He wants to redo it. And at first, perhaps, you can understand what he is doing. He's getting the drains right. He's stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs need doing. And so you're not surprised. So we're not surprised by the little things that Jesus calls us to and invites us into. But here's where it gets crazy. He says, but presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense what on earth is he up to? He explained he is, <clears throat> that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a place. He intends to come and live in himself. And I think that that's the, like the kind of the perfect illustration of like what's happening in Lent is that like God's renovating this home that we have. He's shifting it. He's making it new. And sometimes our idea of what he's doing is so small and limited. That it's like this little cottage, but no, he's not just there to fix the plumbing. Like he wants to renovate the whole thing and make it a whole new thing where God lives in us and works through us. And I think Lent gives us that opportunity to say, what do we, what do we need to remove? 
in order for God to come in and do that whole renovation and make things new and make it into this thing that people are like, whoa, your life is, that's crazy. Like, how do you do that kind of stuff? And you're like, I don't do it. It's Jesus that does it. He's the one who renovates my life and gives me this peace and this contentment. And so, um, do we have those, the ones that everybody submitted? Can we throw those on the screen? Um, the question that we asked was like, what might be helpful? And this is just to like to get the ball rolling, to get the juices going. This is not like something you're committing to, but is there some stuff that you're thinking about this week? And I'm going to close with this and we'll just, uh, you can grab some coffee and maybe share it with somebody, what you're thinking about, or maybe ask somebody what they've done. But um, what, it, what, what is it that's in your life that you might give up? Um, for me, it's social media. Um, whoa, there it is. Just threw myself in the bus. There it is. Um, <clears throat> one hour of social media for one hour of praying and reading scripture. Nice. Desserts. Right on. <laughs> no. Mute Facebook and Instagram connections that are distractions and limit mindless scrolling. Very very good. Four minutes of reading my Bible every night. Very specific. I like that. Specific tangible goals. Replace social media with daily reading from my utmost for his highest. Nice. When I feel anxious, stop, pray, and listen for answers. Right on. So good. So these are all ideas. These, like The reason we share this was to say like we are a community that maybe you didn't think of some of these things and maybe it spurs a new way of doing it um, for you. Um, this isn't meant to be legalistic again, just like the passage says. Um, this is meant to be from the heart and it's meant to be something that transforms us. And so um, let me just pray as we discern that for these next couple days and then we kick it off right after Ash Wednesday. Um, technically next Sunday will be kind of the first Sunday we gather again from that. And... Um, So let me just pray over that as we discern that individually and as a community. So, Lord, uh, thank you for these seasons in our our calendar um, that aren't super special in and of themselves other than that they draw us closer to you, that these are seasons where we begin to um, see how powerful you are and how connected we can be to you and begin to see how life-giving it can be when we surrender parts of our lives to you, Jesus. And so um, give us wisdom as we figure out what that might look like, the thing that we might fast for for 40 days, and, um, and uh, give us a confidence that those are going to be not only difficult and a challenge, but also very good and life-giving for us. And so um, give us discernment, give us wisdom, and also give us um, the boldness to step into those areas and be challenged for 40 days. Um, we love you, Jesus, and we pray this in your name. Amen. If you have questions about any of this stuff, feel free to reach out again on the connect card if you want to ask about like kind of this, how this all works. But really, it's just simple 40 days uh, minus the Sundays. Sundays are kind of the, the cheat day for you. Um, and then, um, yeah, we just engage in that for four days. And then we have Easter, which we celebrate the resurrection, the new life. And so um, just take a moment as we leave. If you want to share some thoughts that you have that you might give up. Uh, as you meet somebody new or just chat with people, uh, what's something that you might give up? So um, grace and peace. Have a good afternoon.